Amen. God is good, isn't he? You know, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with a voice of triumph, right? That's what the Bible says. Let's practice that right now, shall we? Come on. Come on, y'all. Let's praise him today. We want to That's right. Can you lift your hands and say this today? Open the heavens. Open Yes, we do. next few minutes of time we ask you to anoint everything that is said everything that is sung we break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit and we say have your way come on say it have your way Lord in Jesus name I'm going to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 6 as you remain standing and I'm going to get right into the word of the Lord if that's okay with you Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number six. I'll be reading from the King James Version, and then I'm going to read verse 10 from a few other versions after we read our text. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Everyone say, the service of God. But into the second when he went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, listen carefully, and for the errors of the people. What did he offer for the errors of the people? Blood. Verse 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Not yet. 
while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. That is why. Verse 9, which was a figure or a symbol for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect, as pertaining to what? His conscience. The regulations were right, but it wouldn't clean your conscience. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances or laws. Listen to this word, imposed, required of them until the time of reformation. I want you to say these words with me, the time of reformation. Lord, I thank you now for an open heaven over this sanctuary. Touch every person in Jesus' name. One more time, can you let a big Judah praise go up to Jesus Christ out of the building today? Amen. Look at three people and tell them it's on in the building right now. It's on in the building. You may be seated. Transition always creates friction. Transition always creates friction. Hebrews of the New Testament is the Leviticus of the Old Testament. Everybody watching online, I know there's hundreds and hundreds of people and all of you in this building. Let's pause. Stephanie, happy Jubilee 50th birthday. When I said Leviticus, Jubilee came to my mind, and then you followed right after that, right in there. So the Hebrew, Hebrews of the New Testament is Leviticus of the Old Testament. So what is concealed in Leviticus is revealed in the book of Hebrews. Are you all with me so far? Thank you. I've got one amen. I'm going to ask you one more. Are you with me so far? Okay, good. Awesome. That was awesome. Okay. So Hebrews of the New Testament is Leviticus of the Old Testament. So when you get to chapter 9, verses 6 through 10, the writer is telling us of a great transition. He's saying this is how it was in the first tabernacle. There was ordinances. There was cleansings. There was sacrifices. Once a year, the priest had to go in and bring blood for himself and for the errors of the people. But then he begins to dialogue about the second tabernacle that was coming or had come. And what he says is because the transition has been made by Christ, now what happened in the old system is not going to need to happen in the new system. Are you all with me right now? So... What he's saying is this, Christ now is the tabernacle, Christ now is the offering, Christ now is the priest, so everything that happened in the old is revealed in one man, and that man is Christ Jesus. He's the lamb, he's the blood, he's the tabernacle, he's the priest, all right? So that doesn't need to happen anymore because now there's a new way. The Message Bible says it's a complete overhaul, a complete overhaul 
has been made. Say the word overhaul. The New Living Translation says a better system has been established. Say two words, better system. The New International Version says that it's a time of a new order. Everyone say new order. Okay, let's get going here. Because you are educated does not mean you are enlightened. All right, let's talk about it. Education is knowledge. Knowledge comes by way of information. Are y'all with that? Education is what? Knowledge. Knowledge comes by way of information. Enlightened is understanding. Understanding does not come from information. Understanding comes from revelation. Okay? Proverbs 24.3 says, By wisdom is a house built. By understanding it is established. And by knowledge it's filled with precious treasures. So knowledge fills you. Understanding establishes you. Knowledge is information. Understanding is revelation. But wisdom is application. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you both know and understand. Now let's bring it to today. It is one thing to know what is going on. That's knowledge. It's an entirely different thing to know why it's going on. That's understanding. When you understand why, now you get into reason or the cause or the purpose. A lot of people are satisfied to walk in the information they receive and call it knowledge. And they say, I know about. You may know about it, but never understand why it happened. The challenge is the transition between knowledge to understanding. Whew. Are y'all with me so far? So my assignment today is to bring hope to a hurting nation, to bring spiritual calmness to the confusion of this country. And to release a prophetic word to you that will cause you to step out of knowledge and into understanding. We are in a transition in this nation. Oftentimes, transitions are represented by modes of modulation. The reason you modulate a song is to add intensity to the song. Modulation brings intensity. Transition brings intensity. Right now, everything is intense. You're afraid to put anything on Facebook because you can't say anything right. I'll just leave that there. The text says, until the time of reformation or until 
the time of a new order. I want to introduce to you a Latin phrase that has come to mean a lot to me. It's two words. It's a phrase that says, the, the phrase is Felix Culpa. F-E-L-I-X, one word, Culpa, C-U-L-P-A. Felix Culpa was developed by St. Augustine. Felix Culpa says that God judged it better to bring good out of evil than not to let or not to permit evil to exist. Maybe I should say that again, right? Felix Culpa. God judged it better to bring good out of evil than not permit evil to exist. Felix Culpa says a, that there is a series of unfortunate events that ultimately bring about a better outcome. A series of unfortunate events that ultimately result in a far better outcome. Felix Culpa. So God can permit anything. God can also prohibit anything. Now, before we go any further, let me ask you if you believe that. Here's what he cannot control. Your will. He refuses to impose his will on your will. If he was going to do that, he would have never introduced us to the second tabernacle. We would have still been killing lambs and ringing bells in the tabernacle for all time. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. I'm going to introduce to you several phrases and we're going to work this word today. Everyone say it again. Time for reformation. Say the word chaos. How many of you think that there's a little chaos in the country right now? Maybe so, huh? You know that, don't you? What is that? You've been informed. But why? Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he that keeps the law. Now, for all of you people that think that that is referring to the law of the land, it has nothing to do with the law of the land. It's the principles of God that he's talking about. And you can do the proper etymology on that. I'm sure you will do your exegesis on that word. Where there is no vision, people perish. The word vision in the Hebrew here means night vision. How many of you know what is required for you to have night vision? Light. If you want to have vision in the night, I keep I thinking y'all think I'm trying to tell you a trick question. Simple. 
To have vision in the night, you need what? Light. Right. The NIV reads it like this. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Well, you can't arrive at wisdom until you've passed through knowledge whew, and understanding. If you live by just knowledge, the Bible teaches us that knowledge puffs you up. Knowledge makes you think you have an answer that you don't really have. So today we come to pull the veil and to look beyond what is superficial. Are y'all with me? So when he says where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now immediately our mind goes to that's our problem. We don't have any restraints right now. No, that's not the problem. The problem is we don't have revelation right now. Keep going, Pastor Rick. We don't have a restraint problem. We have a revelation problem. All right. I'm going to do it. There's a tendency in humans in human behavior that tends toward disorder. I don't need to justify that statement. All you got to do is read the Bible. We started off bending order. We got an order immediately in Genesis chapter 3. So there's this word that I've been talking about a lot lately and been studying it a lot. It actually derives from physics, but stay with me. I'm going to show you how it relates to human behavior. The word is entropy. Entropy is a measure of disorder within every system. Entropy is a tendency for all matter and energy in all the universe to devolve toward a state of disorder. Remember, we have a tendency to track toward disorder that is represented in Adam and Eve. Entropy doesn't just show up to display itself. Entropy is a slow decline from order to disorder. We are seeing in the world today organized chaos. Preach on, Pastor. So you would say the opposite of chaos is order. Let me fix you. The opposite of order is not disorder. The opposite of order is entropy, which is the introduction to disorder. Therefore, the opposite of chaos cannot be order. The opposite of chaos is found the first time we ever see chaos. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form. Look it up in the Hebrew. It was chaotic 
And it was void. It was empty. Oh, Lord Jesus. It had no restraints. It was formless and empty. Why? Because you cannot put light in something that doesn't have form. You can't put revelation in something that is formless. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The earth was without form and empty darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light, help me in the building, from the darkness. So the opposite of chaos is not order. The opposite, God did not say as his spirit is hovering over a chaotic condition, which you cannot tell me that the spirit of God is not hovering over the chaos of this earth right now. It's still hovering over this earth right now. And it's in paused waiting expectation expectation and an anticipating mode. Watch. And God said, let there be light. He did not say, let there be order. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. God did not say to the chaos and the emptiness, let there be order. He said, let there be light. Without revelation, illumination, without light, people cast off restraints. We have a revelation problem. We have a light problem. You have a light problem because you have a leader problem. You don't know who your leaders are. Some of you listen to your congressmen, your mayors, your governors, your presidents, your dictators, or whoever else before you listen to your own pastor. You saying that, Pastor Rick? Yep. Yes. The problem is you looking for remedies. You looking for, put limits on it. Restrain them. Put that law on them. And what you don't need is more law. You need more revelation and light. You need somebody to show up. Stuff starts losing order and moves into chaos and darkness when preachers in temples lose vision. 1 Samuel 3, 1, and the eyes of Eli begin to wax dim that the lamp of the Lord went out in the temple of the Lord. When leaders lose vision, light goes out. I'm not here to ignore what's going on in this country by preaching to you some little cute sermon that I bought in a book from Barnes and Nobles to placate you and pat you on the back and tell you your best days are now and your whatever, your best life is right now. If this is the best we have, then my God have mercy help us. What we need is somebody that will stand forth and shine light on the problem and bring revelation about the situation. 
And I'm not here to apologize to you about what God has shown me. We in a mess right now and there's no restraints and people are going crazy not because we don't have law but because we don't have light. Not because we don't have law, we don't have leaders in the house of God. At no other time, there's been no other occasion in history that the church has been positioned with an opportunity to usher in the greatest revival this nation has ever seen. Why are you apologizing? A light on a hill should not be hidden. Talk to me in the building. I'll keep going. So God did not start off with order. He started this whole thing with chaos. He didn't start with cosmos. He started with chaos. He did it to set a pattern that it would ever be stuck in our spirit that every time you see chaos, you are one day away, one year away, one decade away from the greatest manifestation of a light you have ever seen in your life. I am not scared of this chaos. This chaos is not intimidating me. I'm not holding my head saying our country's going to hell in a handbasket. I came to tell you that we are on the threshold of the greatest revival we have ever seen. The earth is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest. Quit acting like you ain't got the answer. Quit entering into the question when you already have the answer. Quit being part of the problem when you already carry the solution. Entropy. Sit back down one more time. The decline into disorder. Entropy is characterized by uncertainty and unpredictability. Y'all excuse my excitement. Entropy produces uncertainty and certainly unpredictability. That's where we are. Why? I got to get in shape. Stand up, Antoine. I need to sit on the bench for a minute. Hold on. Put me in the game, coach. I'm back. Now watch. Entropy. Here's your incredible definition. The measure of the loss of information when transmitting a message. The measure of a loss of information when transmitting a message. Right, Jesse? That's entropy. So Giovanna says to me the other day when I was telling her that definition, she, she said, yeah, like it's lost in translation. I said, talk to me. <laughs> she said, like when you and mama are talking. Her mother does not speak 
English. And I don't speak Spanish. Unless I'm going to talk to Giovanna. Then I say, yo te amo de todo mi fuerza, mano. You got to know what you're learning. Y'all don't hear me preaching in the building. So I say, you're right. It's lost in translation. It's the loss of information in a message that's being transmitted. That's entropy. When we lose the message in the mess, we start a downward spiral into chaos and disorder. And that decline is called entropy. Now you say, is that really important? Well, let's keep with that bearishness of time, shall we? Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said to the woman, first of all, she didn't receive the message. God never spoke to her. He spoke to Adam. I'm going to go ahead and say this. The enemy has caused this. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Listen to this guy. And the woman said, we can eat of the trees of the garden, but not of the tree in the midst of the garden. That's the one he said, don't eat it. And he, matter of fact, he said, for us, don't even touch it. And he said, if we touch it, we're going to die. So watch way, the way he comes back. Serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God does know, don't miss this, y'all. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, that your eyes will be opened. That you will step into understanding. The tree was knowledge. But he said it's understanding. Y'all ain't hearing me. You know what we all want to know? We all want to know why. We all want to know why. And you know what the enemy is enticing you into? Total confusion by selling you a line of lies that makes you think you have been informed and in all actuality you are deformed because you are receiving an interpretation that is not true to its source. So he says, when the woman saw, watch now, and you, your eyes will be open, and you'll know good and evil, and you'll be like God. Hmm. Everyone say chaos. And from there, everything turned to chaos because entropy was not addressed. We lose the important message in the transmitting of information. You know what's happening right now? The most important message in this nation has been lost. The most important message in this nation right now 
is that the answer for everything we are going through, everything we are going through is found in the second tabernacle. It's found not in the systems of the past. It is found in Jesus Christ himself. Now, if I'm sitting there, I'm going to give God praise right there because Jesus is still the answer for not some of the problem. He's the answer for the entire problem for the pandemic, for the pandemonium, for the racism, for the injustice. He is the answer for it all. And if you don't believe that, I don't even know why you came to church today. Right, preacher? You hear me? Preacher, come up here and sit on the front row, man. Come on. Sit right up here. Come on. That's my preacher friend. I see he's a preacher. Who I'm in this thing now. Now, I know I'm going to go overtime, so you don't have to pay me overtime, but I'm going to go overtime. So go ahead and relax. So watch this here. I'm going to scare y'all just a little bit. I'm going to scare you just a little bit. Y'all don't tell on me. Yeah, I'm online. That's right. Well, tell on me. The symbol for chaos is in a star formation, and it's eight arrows going eight different directions. Don't get mad at me now. Have you looked at the flag of intention for Norman, Oklahoma? Google it when you get home. Amen. I'll keep going. <laughs> Point number two. Spontaneous order. What is that? It's emergent behavior. The most pervasive force in the world is synchronicity. Y'all with me? Because right now we're not in sync. <laughs> right, Kevin? We're not even close. We're not even close. We're not even close. The truth is humans take pleasure in synchronicity. We take pleasure in it. We gravitate toward harmony. Now, do you understand what I just said? We have a bend toward disorder till we hear harmony. Y'all dismissed that. We are bent with entropy toward chaos until we hear harmony. And then we say, man, that sounds much better than this. Where are you going to get that sound? There's only one place you should be getting that sound, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. Why are we sending out sounds that we're not in agreement and mad at the world that is in chaos? They supposed to be in chaos. We supposed to be sending out a sound of unity and harmony and synchronicity. Can I continue to educate you? I'm going to introduce you to these 
two terms in relation to spontaneous order. Number one is the term intergenerational. The second one is transgenerational. Intergenerational means a person who stands as a bridge between two people in the same generation. This is all supposedly millennials. Am I close? Am I right, guys? Y'all are all millennials, no? What'd you say? No, you're not, boy. Well, you don't dress like Gen Z and you don't act like it, so today you're part of the millennium generation. All right. I'm messing with you. So watch. She, put your arm on each one of their shoulders, would be an intergenerational person if she was trying to help him communicate with him. What she really is is a bridge. A bridge connects two points. Step out of here, young lady, Sister Crawford. Now watch this. Transgenerational. Transgenerational does not connect two people in the same generation. Welcome to class. Are you all with me? Transgenerational connects a millennium generation to Generation Z. It connects a baby boomer generation, thank you, baby boomer generation to the millennial generation. Samuel was a transgenerational leader. He changed the whole Israel of, uh, a nation of Israel of nation, nation of Israel, I'm going to be here in just a minute. The nation of Israel from following tribes into becoming kingdoms. That was his anointing. He moved the kingdom from Saul to the next generation, which is David. John the Baptist, I think I'm boring y'all. John the Baptist introduced a successor in its own generation. He's intergenerational. Are y'all... Both of them are bridges. All right. Watch this. Everyone say year of 2000. Okay, year of 2000, Kim's England. There's a bridge that is built by 200 of the greatest designers and engineers in the world. It is called the Millennium Bridge. People sat back in bewilderment at the genius of these architects, engineers, and designers, 200 of them. On opening day, June the 6th, 2000, thousands of people lined up to cross the bridge. Whoo! When they got there and they started walking, the bridge started acting. You, you ever took a saw and bent a blade like that? The bridge started doing that and this. And somebody started screaming, get in step. There was a question that came back, what do you mean? And the answer went back, find the motion of the bridge, listen, and accommodate it. So the people watching that was not on the bridge said, it looked like 
inebriated, unified people. People that were drunk, but unified. They said it was like watching ice skaters on a bridge. And when everybody found that tempo, the bridge calmed down and they made it safely to the other side. Are y'all with me right now? A professor takes, in relation to spontaneous order, he takes two empty water bottles, places a notebook on them, puts a, net, a metronome on each side of the notebook. He starts them out in the same tempo, like click, 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 click. When he did that, the notebook started vibrating. The bottles started moving. They were in the same time, but they were not synced up. Until, and watch this. Suddenly, one metronome communicated to the next metronome. We're in time, but we're not in sync. In other words, I'm going to hit the one beat, but you got to hit the two beat. And instead of suddenly it became, when it hit the sink, everything calmed down. See, you can be in the same time, but not in sync because you don't allow diversity in your life. You want every beat to be your beat. But until you appreciate the expression of every generation, the expression of every race, the expression of every person, you're not going to have sync in your life and you're always going to have turbulence. You're preaching, Pastor Rick. We have a bridge problem. Keep preaching, Pastor Rick, and don't worry about the clock. Amen. So I'm teaching on this the other day. My son calls me crying. Dad. I said, what, Pastor D? He said, you are absolutely hearing from God. I said, I know that. He said, you always do, but you are in a flow. I said, I know that. He said, people that are not listening to you are just missing a lot of good stuff. I said, I know that. He said, yesterday morning I was watching Good Morning America and they did a special on the Golden Gate Bridge. So at the beginning of the year, they decided to change the slats in the Golden Gate Bridge. But when they put them in, they put them in in a manner that was not in proper synchronization. They thought they could just lay them one next to another instead of spacing them apart and then come back and insert the slat between those. And because they did that, the wind that is blowing through the Golden Gate Bridge is causing a howl that is keeping people awake 24 hours a day. I said, Dustin, that is so prophetic. The bridge is crying. 
The bridge is crying. We are out of order. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? And the first city to go back down, go back on lockdown now for 24 hours a day for the next three weeks is San Francisco. It's like a prophetic voice coming out of that city. The bridge is howling. Where are the preachers that will stand in an intergenerational position and stand in a transgenerational position and cry, we are out of order. There's no sink right now. I want what I want. Get on my beat. Get on my beat. Get on my beat. Get on my beat. I'm about done. All right. You told me to. Here's the thing. Tony, can you give me those beats I was talking about? Just give me a one, three, and then a one, two, three, four. Yeah, just a one, like your snare's on one, three, one, three, like that. And then go, yep. All right. Now give me a whole beat, like play it. Now give it double time and hit on one, two, three, four. Go back to one. Go back. Watch this. You know what the class said? The class said we heard it before we saw it. Y'all just missed that. We heard. Click, 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 click. From click, 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 to click, 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 click. We heard it, then we saw it. And when they were all gathered together in one place, in one accord, suddenly there was a sight. No. Suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire set on each of their heads. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and every nation under heaven heard his language they heard it before they saw it my question is what kind of sound are we putting out there whoo can I give you one more word and stop? I'm going to. You can leave if you want. But don't forget the offering baskets are at the door. First word was chaos. Second word was spontaneous order. Throw this in there, Pastor Rick. There's a difference in spontaneous order and systematic order. Systematic order is imposed on you. You are made to do something. Because it's in the system. Spontaneous order is emergent behavior. Fish swim in schools on purpose. It's called emergent behavior. In other words, I can get there faster with you than I can by myself. 
fireflies start blinking. Have you ever seen them? And they're all different until suddenly they slow down and they find synchronization. It looks like chaos until it gets ordered. You know what that is? That is males calling for females. When the, fe the females never go that way until they see the order. When they get in synchronization, then the females are attracted to it. The problem is we got lights all over the place, but we're not synced up. And the world says we're not interested because y'all kill each other faster than we do. One of y'all fall, y'all kick him and kill him. We're not interested in that. Preaching good, Pastor. Am I preaching good, preacher? Third word, reformation, and I'm done. Everyone say the time of reformation. History teaches us that all reformations begin with revolt. All cosmos starts with chaos. The rioting you see in the streets, it can get illegal, it can get crazy, it can do what it wants to do. It's a revolt. The revolt should not scare you. The revolt should tell you that God is up to something and he's hovering over this earth. And the chaos you see now is going to create a cosmos we've never experienced in our life. Some of y'all are wondering about that and I'm going to clear it up for you. Until the time of reformation, until the time of a new order, chaos is the end, always happens at the end of one era and the beginning of the next. All right. The time of reformation. In the Greek, it, is, it means the due time. Of reformation. In other words, we've waited long enough. Now, Gino, I love what you're doing. I'm going to ask you to start that in five minutes. Because I'm, 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 I'm tending toward it. And I, I just have five minutes. If you miss what I'm about to tell you, you're going to miss the whole point of this message. Are you all with me? Thank you. We keep going to that upper room, don't we? Suddenly there was a sound. They heard it before they saw it. All right. Can I ask you a question? How many people were in that upper room? 120 people in the upper room. Second Chronicles 5.12, Solomon builds the temple, and there's 120 priests, priests blowing trumpets. That's already awkward. That's not their office. But they, know that they knew they needed a sound and no one was there to occupy the trumpet. Priests ought to know when something's missing and step in and fill the gap. When they started blowing the trumpets, the 120 priests, guess what happened? The glory of God sat down in the temple and they could not stand and they had to lay down because of the glory of God so heavy in the temple. How many of them was it? 120. Are you with me? Moses lived to be 120 years old. How long did it take Noah to build his ark? 120 years. Y'all got it. Genesis 6, 3 says this, God speaking, my spirit will, all, will not always strive with man because of his flesh. His days shall be 120 years. 
God says 120 years is a probation period. 120 years is a proving period. I'm going to give you 120 years to get it right. Pretty strong, right? How many of you believe that God operates in cycles? Well, I can prove it to you. Ezekiel chapter 1 says he's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's cyclical. What goes around comes around. That's why he's eternal. Because if he was linear, he would have to have an ending point. But he's not. He keeps circling his way through the earth. The Bible says he stands in the circle of the earth. All right. 120 years ago this month, in a little town in Topeka, Kansas, there were these guys. Guys with the names like John G. Lake, Parham. Guys that were just interested in God, but they were highly intelligent. And they were teaching scripture to a class. And this month, 120 years ago, they were teaching that class and suddenly the Holy Ghost, for the first time in our nation's history that was recorded, people began to pray in other tongues. And they couldn't stop. Parham taught William J. Seymour about the Holy Ghost. One-eyed black man. He leaves Topeka and finds his way to Azusa, California. 120 years ago. He starts preaching in a house. And every time he preaches, people can't speak in English. They're speaking in other tongues. The fire department is, come, is called over 60 times in four months to put out a fire on the roof. But when they get there, there's no fire. How long ago? 120 years. 120 years while revival was happening in Topeka. Rioting was happening in this nation. Listen to me. I believe everything we've seen in 2020 is a sign that two cycles have met. Don't miss this. Two cycles have collided. And when two cycles collide, there has to be an explosion. It's Jesus going to heal a 12-year-old girl that had died. Everyone say cycle. 12 is the number of government. She died. And while he's on the way to heal a girl who's 12 that died, she's touched, he's touched by a woman with an issue of 12 years. Two daughters in dilemma. One is dead who was 12 years old. One has an issue that is 12 years old. Both of them are governed when she touches his garment, her issue stopped. He leaves there and goes raise the girl from the dead. Two cycles met. 
Y'all not hearing me. At the same time, listen to me. Stop making your issue your idol. These issues, these governing issues, these problems, stuff dying that's supposed to be living is a result of us making idols of stuff we are more concerned about than Jesus Christ himself. And until we get back to him, ain't nothing going to change. Preaching good, pastor. We've got to get back to Jesus. And issues will stop. And what is dead will live again. Jesus walks into the temple, Luke chapter 13. There's a woman in there that has been over for 18 years. 12 plus 6. 12 is government. 6 is the number of man. She's bent over, government and man bent over. You say, no, Pastor Rick, that's two nines. That'll work too because that's judgment on judgment. Jesus walks into the temple, his house, and he looks across the room and he sees her. How long has she been like that? 18 years? You know what Jesus says? Time is up. Tell her to come here. She walks over to him. He reaches out and touches her. He did what? Touched her. Say the word immediately. Immediately, she was made straight, and she began to glorify her father. Listen to me. Every condition has terms. All issues has a time. Until the time of reformation. Can I tell you the Protestant Reformation did not happen until Martin Luther said enough is enough. You won't change? Then you've got to say time is up. We're 120 years away from the greatest move of God this nation has ever seen and we're here playing politics on Fox News, CNN and placating people and opposing people on Facebook and we're more worried about what we got to say than what God is saying about the situation. If you want to be healed, you better get back to Jesus. I want the whole church to stand on your feet and give your Savior the greatest praise you can ever give him. him. Hallelujah Jesus. Jesus you're the answer. Jesus you are the answer. Now I know that I gave you an eight week series in about 45 minutes or so and I'm good. I know you, you, you're you know probably choking on it. But go home and listen to it again and then probably again. Just one more time you'll get it. Because we're in chaos right now. And we're wrong, we won't order. But we're not getting it.
until we welcome reformation because no matter what you think or believe, stuff ain't never going to be the same again. There's going to be reform in the justice system, whether you like it or not. There's going to be reform in the economic condition of this nation. There's going to be reform in social, uh, social, socioeconomic conditions. There's going to be reform in spiritual tones. Everything is under reform. And you can buck and cry, oh, I want it like it used to be. Guess what? It ain't going to be like it used to be. Reforms are already happening. They're happening in courthouses. They're happening in the White House. And why would we sit here as the church house and say we don't want change? Whether you want it or not, it's here. Reformation is not coming. Reformation is here. Now, we can embrace it or ignore it. And remain what we've always been. Or we can embrace it and say, Lord, change us into the people you originally intended us to be. And help us be the light to the dark world. Can I pray for you? Will you lift your hands, please? Father, I pray you'll touch these people. And even though I have overwhelmed them with information, I believe that the information will transition in their hearts to revelation. What we need is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need you to drop down in churches like you did in 2 Chronicles 5. We need you to drop down the power of the Holy Ghost like in Acts chapter 2. We need you to drop down like you did in Topeka 120 years ago. We need you to drop down like that now. Cycle it up in here, God. Pour it out here. Start right here at Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. Start right here. Baptize us with the Holy Ghost. And let us bring about the greatest revival the nation has ever seen. If this is your word, come to the altar right now. You receive something that you know has helped you. Come to the altar because I want to pray specifically for you. Let me tell you what reformation is. Reformation is a structural adjustment. It's when the, when the structure is adjusted. Reformation is putting something back in alignment. We've been out of line. Have you ever driven a car that was out of line? It's always fighting you. It's always pulling against you. And you know what's happening in this generation, Eli? We've got a generation driving a vehicle called Vision that's always pulling. Like there's no lines. And until we get back to God and say, God, fix us first. Line us up first. Forgive us first. Will you, will you lift your hands? Father, deal with all these men and women in this altar that this word has touched today. And I pray, God, that you will erase the confusion in their heart concerning the day we live in. The only burden they need in this hour is a burden to pray. Just that burden. Just that burden alone. Let that burden rest on them. No other worry, no other confusion, no other obstinance. Take all of that away from us and help us to yield to you today. And I thank you that you are raising up a great, vast army in this generation that is full of light. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout, now I understand. Success to you and success to the kingdom. God bless you.